Hey, drinking buddies. I'm going to be at Lagu Cafe. That's L-A-G-U Cafe in Irvine this Thursday, August 6th from 2 to 3 p.m. for their pop-up event. You can grab pastries from Anaheim's Okayama Kobo Bakery, Tanota Takoyaki, and of course, Layu Senbei from Drinking Buddy. It's pre-order only, so head to www.okayamakobousa.com slash pop-up and order now. And I just noticed that there was zero female-led beer shows that were active that I could find at least. And I was like, okay, we've got to fix this. This is The Drinking Buddy Show, where we explore food, craft beverage pairings, and the entrepreneurs and tastemakers behind them. I'm Frank, founder of Drinking Buddy Artisan Snacks. And on today's show, I'll be chatting with Caitlin Johnson and Melanie Demi, co-hosts of 512 Brewed, their fun Austin-based craft beer podcast. We'll talk about what brought them to Austin, what they love about the scene, and get some brewery recommendations. So I grew up in Virginia. I was born and raised. I lived 23 years in the same little 30-mile radius of Virginia. And so I knew I wanted to move after college. I just didn't know where. So during college, my breaks, winter break, spring break, whatever, I would spend and I would take little weekend trips to different cities in the U.S. And I came to Austin and fell in love right away. Came to Austin for the first time two years before I moved here. And then I just made it my goal to move to Austin as soon as I can. So there's that Texas quote. I was born in Texas, but I got here as soon as I could. That's so me. But I came here, visited it, and decided to move here. What was it about Austin that you liked so much? I really enjoyed the weather, as crazy as it sounds. I really loved the heat and the sunshine. But also the people were just so friendly. And I felt like everywhere I went, people complimented my outfit or they struck up a conversation with me. You'd be talking to a cashier and they'll ask you, how's your day going? I grew up in Virginia, so that's kind of the South, but it's a different type of kindness and hospitality from the people down here. Most of all, though, the food. The food's great. And Austin's the type of city that has everything going on. It was cool moving into that. Do you ever miss being in Virginia at all? Sometimes I miss... I grew up in the Appalachian Mountains, Mm. so I miss the hills, and I miss fall a lot with the pretty leaves changing, and it's just so stereotypical fall with the red, orange, and yellow leaves, but I really like being in a city where stuff's happening and a whole bunch of different cultures collide, and I love being in Austin. Melanie shares how she ended up in Austin. So I was actually born in Florida, but my grandparents and my mom's side of the family all lived in Bogota in Colombia. And so we moved to be with them when I was born through when I was 10. And then we moved to Austin at that point. So I miss my family in Colombia, but I definitely don't miss living in Colombia, if that makes sense. I love it here. I call Austin my home. It's such a wonderful city. And like Caitlin said, there's so much to do, so much good foods, so many nice people. It's great. I actually went to school in Nebraska for two years. I graduated high school here in Austin, and then I went to college in Nebraska. And after two years, I was like, no, I'm coming. <laughs> what? what? I've been to Nebraska. It's great. There's corn. Yeah. <laughs> Lots it. of it. Corn. <laughs> it's very flat. <laughs> yep, exactly. Very windy. I like the weather. I love the snow. So that was the saving grace. But otherwise. Uh... <laughs> so now you're both very much at home in Austin. Yeah. I've been here for three years now. I think going on four. How many have you been here for, Melanie? Not counting the two years I spent in Nebraska. I think it's a total of 15 years now. Melanie and Caitlin introduce us to Austin. 
I'll get started at talking about the beer scene. There are so many phenomenal breweries here. It doesn't matter what part of Austin you're in or where you're visiting or where you want to go. There's going to be a brewery near you that has what you are looking for in a brewery. And that's one of the big reasons why I love it. Our beer industry too, it's like a community. They definitely follow the community of our competition motto where they are helping each other out. Everybody's so friendly to each other. It's not oh, that's my competition. I got to do better than them. No, it's how can I help them? How can we work together? And that's something that I really enjoy. And everybody's so welcoming. And do you think that's even more true now with COVID and Mm -hmm. how much it's impacting the industry? Oh, yeah. You can definitely see that as well. And we've talked about it in a couple of our shows, but breweries have posted something that says, oh, we're out of crowlers at the moment hang on until we try to find some. And then another brewery will reach out to them and say, hey, we have some extras. You guys can take them. And then just whenever your shipment comes in, just give them back to us. I love seeing how breweries are helping each other stick together and overcome these very interesting and difficult times. Did you have to change the crowler laws there or was it already okay to go and pick up a crowler at the bar in Austin? In September, wasn't it? They finally legalized beer to go. So we had just had it for a few months. Thank goodness. Yes. They did do alcohol to go. They started allowing restaurants to serve cocktails to go. So you're taking advantage of that, I imagine, then? Yeah. I'm waiting for us to get to Louisiana level and we have to drive through daiquiri huts. (laughs) (laughs) That would be awesome. They're so awesome. (laughs) Now only have one now. Right? Get the 44 ounce. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I will. When we return, Caitlin and Melanie talk about their beer travels. If you enjoy the show, consider subscribing and leaving us a review. And if you'd like to support us, be sure to try our one-of-a-kind Japanese artisanal snacks. Grab some merch and enjoy free shipping. Go to www.thedrinkingbuddyshop.com and click on shop for details. I've really been dying to get to the Northeast, Maine, Vermont area and check out those breweries up there. The birthplace of hazy IPAs and New England IPAs. And that's been a big one for me. But honestly, I think I would be happy to go anywhere at this point. No, I'm right there with you. And uh, we've joked about it, Caitlin and I. Every time we talk about a new place, we're like, okay, I'm adding that to the list of places we're going to go travel. So definitely the Northeast. I want to check out area that Caitlin is from, Virginia. And then I definitely want to go back to Europe. Where in Europe do you want to go? Everywhere. (laughs) Just the whole continent. But I kind of want to not recreate, but go to some of the places that Caitlin visited on her last Europe trip, because every time she talks about her beer and chocolate pairings, and oh, it's amazing. Yeah, last year I went to Oktoberfest in Germany. We spent three weeks in Europe, and we started out in Czech Republic, and then went to Belgium, and then went to Germany. And we did a road trip for most of it, which breaks my heart talking about it, but it was such a blast doing it. It was such a fun trip, and Oktoberfest was amazing. And like Melanie said, we had a Belgian chocolate and Belgian beer pairing. It was great over there. It's gorgeous. Lots of great beer. Lots of great beer history. Did you do some brewery tours? They don't have many breweries in the sense that we have breweries, craft breweries where they're tap rooms. They have like beer bars that are mainly sponsored by one of the major breweries. Like in Munich, Lohenbrau are one of the big breweries. They'll have a few different restaurants, Lohenbrau restaurants around town, and that's their brewery. But then they have a massive brewery facility out in the industrial part of town. But it was a lot of beer. I will say after a week in Belgium, I was so over Belgian beer. I was ready to get to Germany and get nice clean Kolsch. So Melanie, where would you, what would be the first country then? Is it Belgium or would you go somewhere else? I'm thinking Germany. My husband and I, my birthday usually falls over Oktoberfest. 
this is the year that we're going to go to Oktoberfest. And then COVID happened and they canceled Oktoberfest for this year. So hopefully next year, as long as it's up and running, I think that's going to be our first place that we go. What about the West Coast? Yeah, I've got a lot of work to do on the West Coast. I've only been out to the West Coast once, and that was three days in San Francisco. I would love to do a massive, isn't there a highway that goes all the way down the coast? I would love to yeah, do. Yeah, the Coast Highway. Mm-hmm. There you go. No, I would love to do something like that. And I think right now with more people doing road trips, that might be something that might be our next big trip to plan. What about you, Melanie? Agreed. I've been dying to go back to Huntington Beach in that kind of Orange County area. But that's really all I've explored in California. So definitely, like Caitlin said, I'd love to just take a couple of days and drive down PCH and hit all of the big spots. I know the beer over there is, it's something else. It's so good. Yeah, definitely. It's a different feel. You can do Portland for sure. Yes. You can do NorCal, but the drive down PCH is gorgeous. And if you have time to spend like right now, it's just an amazing trip. Yeah. Maybe we'll rent an old school convertible. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to go all in for it. As long as yeah. the maintenance is new school. You don't want to be fixing that on the side of the road. Yes, please. It needs like a auxiliary cord hookup so I can plug in there my phone. But... Yeah. Maybe hit a couple national parks while you're doing it. Yes. That's another thing that I think we're going to be doing a lot more too. Yeah, have you done any hiking and having a beer at the end? It's kind of hard right now with it being so hot. You definitely have to be a morning person and get up at the crack of dawn and get to it if you want to get a hike in and not die of heat exhaustion. But yeah, I do appreciate those. When we went to Big Bend right before coronavirus started, that was in March. We had a few of those go hiking and take a few beers with us. That's one of my favorite things. I think having a beer outside is just so relaxing. Yes. Yeah. We've got a hammock in our yard and I love having a beer in that. So simple things. We got back from Colorado. We spent a couple of weeks up there. My family has land in Pagosa Springs and we did a lot of hiking. We took the dogs up with us and enjoyed a lot of hikes, a lot of time in the 80 beautiful degree weather, and then always finish it off with beer. Millie, you focus on traveling with dogs as well, right? Yes. So what are some trips that you like to do with your dogs? We're really spoiled here in Austin. I find Austin to be one of the most, if not the most dog-friendly city in the U.S. because as long as there's a patio, usually dogs are welcome on it. Where we've done a lot of travel recently, like to Colorado and some places in California that even on the patios, dogs are not being allowed. So definitely if you have dogs, I always recommend people come to Austin. We've got so much for them to do, so many places where they are allowed. Even places inside get out of the Mm -hmm. heat enjoy some AC and enjoy a beer. But we love California. They're usually really dog friendly. We've been trying to hit up the Northeast. I know as surprising as it sounds, a lot of my research has shown that New York is really dog friendly. Definitely would love to take the dogs up there and explore. I had Caitlin and Melanie try Layusembe and share their beer pairings. I was super excited to try it. Kind of let it be a surprise. I didn't look at any pictures or anything before. I know. I was like, what? What is this? Yeah. When you first look at it, it doesn't make any sense, right? You're like, what yeah. is this thing? I feel yeah. like a lot of like snacks from Asian countries are like that. They're definitely eye candy as much as they are, you know? <laughs> you never know. Just because it looks a certain way doesn't mean it's yeah. What did you think it was going to taste like? I thought it was going to be sweet. Just because like, I don't know. It kind of reminded me of like a sugar-coated cake cracker-like thing. What about you, Caitlin? So I smelled it and I thought... I thought it was going to be like a fishy type snack. Like it's going to be a fishier flavor. I thought I was picking up a little bit of that from the smell. And I know that is such a strong flavor to come through, but it didn't, it wasn't, the taste wasn't fishy at all, which was nice. 
think it had some heat that lingered for a while. Not really hot, but. Huh, I did not get heat from it, but maybe I'll have to eat more because I had a couple and I thought it was delicious. It kind of reminded me, and I'm not super familiar with Asian snacks, so I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but it kind of reminded me of what you crush on top of poke. Like Like, furikake? Yes, yes. Kind of those flavors is kind of what it reminded me of. At least here in California, if you go to the Japanese grocery store, you can get a furikake that is the same flavoring. So it's that layu, which is the chili oil, and they dry it so you can throw that over rice. I love the rice cracker snacks, though. Well, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Dembe is a really common snack category in Japan, so you can get a ton of them. Did you pair it with anything? I tried it with a little Guinness Extra Stout, and I kind of actually really liked it. Guinness extract is really dry, dry and roasty, which kind of helped a little bit. But I'm curious, maybe later today, I'll try it with a nice little Pilsner. I tried mine with a Kolsch, and I thought the flavors paired together so well. Kolsch are kind of super light, crisp, and refreshing, and the snacks were almost, they were very flavorful. So I think the two flavors of the beer and the snacks went really well together. So I think a light, crisp beer is what I would go with. I've had people go both ways. I've had light and crisp. I've had heavier, higher ABV beers, but I think it really just depends on how your palate works. What do you drink it with? Yeah. What do I drink it with? I try everything at this point. You know, I'm always experimenting. So I've done (laughs) hazies. I've done just a regular IPA, double IPA. I've done stout. Like I had a chocolate stout with it, which is really good. Rice lagers, of course, not just ones from Japan, but some West Coast ones as well. I've had people tell me that it's good with jammy wine. I haven't tried that yet. Ooh. I've had people do it with craft kombucha. Okay. Because it's got garlic and chili oil, a little bit of sweet, there's a little bit of heat. You can play around with it. It's not like it's only good with one thing. So it's a Japanese snack, right? Mm-hmm. Is this a snack that they commonly eat like in Japan? Yes, said they are. And this one was specifically designed by the family that makes it for drinking beer. So oh, if you cool. went to their shop in Osaka, they're all about, have this with a beer. Because the shape is like a little saucer and it almost looks like you could put it on top of a glass. You Ooh. could. That's an interesting I don't know why it. you would, but <laughs> I was just wondering, yeah. It was meant for beverages. And then in general, those rice cakes, they could be with green tea or if they're a spicier or a stronger flavor, a salty flavor, then they're going to be for drinking. No, oh, the more you know. That's exactly why I started the company because my wife is from Osaka. So we would go there, get a ton of snacks. I'd end up spending a couple hundred dollars filling my suitcase. And then my friends really liked it. So I was like, people are going to like this. They should learn about it. Melanie and Caitlin dive into the creation of 512 Brood. This show came up because months ago I was looking for a podcast to get on and do interviews with, as with my beer blog. And I just noticed that there was zero female-led beer shows that were active that I could find at least. And, you know, I was searching all different types of podcasts and I was like, okay, we've got to fix this. And so now we have our podcast and I hope stuff like this, where women have a voice, they can be leaders. But I'm just hoping it gives women a voice in craft beer and let them know that there are girls out there who drink craft beer and it's totally normal. Not just drink craft beer, but no craft beer and actually no more than some guys do. We actually just recorded an episode where we were talking about the misconceptions of women and beer. And for the longest time, women didn't drink beer. And then they started coming out with chip beers, which would be like your fruited beers or your super sweet 
quite fierce. And Caitlin and I always get super inflamed when we talk about that. <laughs> thing that we're really passionate about. And obviously we both love beer and we love the beer industry. And I'd like to say that we're both knowledgeable and, and we do our research and we enjoy talking about it. So we're always down to sit down and have some beers and talk about how not only what's wrong with it and what needs to change, but how we can change it as well, which is what we were hoping to do with our podcast. Can you give me some examples of why ladies would feel uncomfortable in the craft beer scene right now? I think right now it might not be so much of they feel uncomfortable in the tap room, but I think maybe professional level they might feel uncomfortable. And yeah, we have female in the craft beer industry, but a lot of them are holding jobs like marketing manager or the admin side of things. And it's getting women into that environment where they're making beers, they're leading the brewing team. And that can be a very tricky environment to come into because it's definitely like a boys club. You get back there and some breweries can feel like frat houses, a whole bunch of dudes hanging out and sweating and throwing around curse words and can just be intimidating for a girl to jump into. And Yeah. And even so, not just in the breweries themselves, but Kaylee touched on this a little bit earlier, but if you look at people who are beer bloggers or who are doing beer reviews, you usually have stereotypical mid-aged white dude just sitting in front of his computer reviewing a beer. And that's pretty much all you see. Coming into it, it's a little bit intimidating because that's what's been happening for years and years and years now. And change is always hard. And some people aren't very into change. And so you come in with a new face and a new perspective, and you're always going to have critics who don't appreciate that. So I think that can be a little bit frustrating and a little bit difficult, but it's definitely something that I do see changing, albeit a little bit slowly, but it's changing. And what's been the response to your podcast and your social media and everything? Everything's been going good. We've been getting a lot of support. A lot of people have been reaching out to interview us just like we are right now. It's been really great. And the show's been growing. And I think it fills this void of entertaining beer reviews led by someone that led by two fun females. (laughs) Yeah, we haven't really had too much, if any at all, we haven't had any heat from anybody, which we appreciate. And I think people realize that we're not just two women talking about something that we don't know anything about. (laughs) knowledgeable and and not only that but like Caitlin said we like to have fun with it and I think that's just a new refreshing take in the beer scene. I think the whole scene could use everybody. My impression was just a lot of boomer white guys from the <laughs> 90s that had homebrew clubs that all started breweries and then there's maybe some Gen X guys that got in there early and now there's a few younger brewers but I think it's exciting because at least with the millennial generation it's not just all white guys getting into it I see people of all different colors backgrounds genders wanting to get in and make breweries not just work there like you're saying yeah. they're not just admin or marketing or something like that Yeah that's totally right because it used to be like that in the 90s when homebrewing was so big it was just dad's side hobby that he did in the garage And then those people actually went on to be some of the first people who would open up breweries. Change is coming, though. I think the industry is getting diverse. It's finally happening, though. Now, do you have bigger plans beyond the podcast? Do you ever think about doing your own brewery or something in the (laughs) industry yourself? My boyfriend bought a How to Brew book, and I sometimes push him into it because we've got a big yard now. I've been around people who homebrew. It seems like you kind of need to be a perfectionist almost, like when it comes especially to the cleaning part stage of it and disinfecting all the bottles. I don't think I would be that good or tedious. And I'll be a good taste tester, though. (laughs) I was going to say, my husband and I have actually talked about it. 
him and his family, they own a couple of restaurants here in Austin. So we're definitely a little savvy about businesses and starting a small business. And we've been very, very passionate about beer for a long time. And we've always thought long term, that's something that we could do and something that we could do that we love as we get a little bit older. So nothing in the works now, but we've definitely talked about it. It's just, it takes a lot to open a brewery. A lot of planning, a lot of money, a lot of everything. Yeah, a lot of money. (laughs) Especially here in Austin. Yeah, I think the amount of investment that you need nowadays is much more than maybe in the past. And you're coming into a lot stiffer competition now. I imagine Austin's like a lot of places with a good craft beer scene. There's a ton of them now. So you can't just come in with a maybe okay beer and hope that it works out. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I first started getting craft beer years and years ago, the tap rooms that were opening were these small ones and these little industrial warehouses. There was a few picnic tables, hardly any decorations or ambiance. And now breweries open up and it's the most gorgeous interior building. They spent like a million or two just on the place. Call them tap rooms 2.0. And I feel like a lot of breweries, it's hard to get in opening up a brewery if right now if you want to do that kind of industrial approach in Austin especially and you got to open now and have great beers right off the bat before you could open and have one or two good beers and figure it out and figure out your systems but now you got to come out have a whole bunch of good beers get the hype going I think it's totally different now you got your work cut out for you Melanie (laughs) (laughs) definitely something that who knows maybe maybe not we'll see and Caitlin can be our taste tester. You need a taste tester. Yeah. It's Obviously. an important job. They're called the QA person. It's a real job. It is a real job. Yeah. Quality assurance. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't just drink for free every day. I write a lab report. It's hard. Yeah. I put on a lab coat. This is serious yeah. stuff. Well, you know, Caitlin, you could also do wild fermentation if you don't want to clean. I thought about that, like how Jester King does it. Just leave everything out in the open. That seems like you're putting a lot of faith into the bugs and stuff that are around. And <laughs> I've got a lot of mosquitoes in my neighborhood. So, <laughs> Caitlin and Melanie share some favorite summer brews and places to enjoy them. Brew pubs are open. So if a brewery is a restaurant, they're open right now. But if a brewery does not serve food, they're not open. But they still have to go options. Always got to recommend Pine House Pizza. They've got great pizza and great beer. And Electric Jellyfish is probably one of their most popular beers. It's a hazy IPA. It's a great beer. What about you, Melanie? Nomadic Beer Works. They're a fairly new brewery here in Austin. They opened a little over a year ago, but they produce a lot of beers. They're always turning out new beers, and every single thing that I've had from them is phenomenal. So they don't serve food, so they're only open to go right now, but definitely recommend picking up some beers from them. They're a West Coast brewery too, so. Caitlin, you mentioned drinking in your backyard, but where are some places that you like in summertime to drink? We have a kayak and I love hanging out on town lake that we have here in Austin or any body of water and putting the kayak in it. That's one of my favorite places to have a beer. We take our little cooler out and have a few beers and just float around for a few hours and then come back. So I'm going to piggyback off of what Caitlin said. Definitely in the summer in Austin, if you're going to be outside, you're going to want to be somewhere near water because it is unbelievably <laughs> hot. We have a paddleboard and we got paddleboarding on town lake and usually take a cooler and have a whole day thing. But I also just really enjoy, if it wasn't Corona, there's so many good destination breweries just outside of Austin, Mm -hmm. like Vista Brewing and Jester King. And there's so many out in the Dripping Springs area and they have these huge, beautiful beer gardens that are shaded and it's such a fun atmosphere and a fun place for you to go with a friend or your family or a group of people and just sit outside and enjoy some beers. And what kind of music would you want to be listening to? 
There's a brewery down south called St. Elmo Brewing, and they used to have an event called Grassy Thursdays. Mm. It used to be bluegrass music, and that was really fun. It's only was that, that live? About. Yeah, it was live music. Nice. I don't need banjo music blaring, but, you know, just in the background <laughs> a little bit's nice. I love it when breweries have live music, so I'm not super opposed to anything. I know there's a brewery called Bull Mechanics here in Austin that they do a rock metal theme, and so they used to have a couple of rock or metal bands come out a couple times in a week. So that was always fun. Thanks to Caitlin and Melanie. You can listen to 512 Brood and learn more about today's guests at www.512, that's the numbers, 512broodpodcast.com. Follow 512 Brood on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and untapped at 512 Brood. Coming up on The Drinking Buddy Show, I'm chatting with Yoshihiro and Lani Sako from Den Sake Brewery in Oakland. We'll learn about their award-winning locally produced sake made from organic California rice, Oakland water, and Yoshi's own koji. Thanks for listening to The Drinking Buddy Show. Be sure to subscribe and share it with your buddies. I'm going to be at Lagu Cafe, that's L-A-G-U Cafe, in Irvine this Thursday, August 6th from 2 to 3 p.m. for their pop-up event. You can grab pastries from Anaheim's Okayama Kobo Bakery, Tanota Takoyaki, and of course, Layu Senbei from Drinking Buddy. It's pre-order only, so head to www.okayamakobousa.com slash pop-up and order now. Check out our latest artisanal snack offerings at www.thedrinkingbuddyshop.com and connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Take care and drink well.